This is the Demand Excellence Podcast with Jonathan Guess, head football coach of Eagles Landing Christian Academy on the south side of Atlanta. Coach Guess is the author of the book, Demand Excellence, on and off the field. And he is the creator and founder of the website, redeemthegame.com. The goal of the Demand Excellence Podcast is to encourage, equip, and entertain Christian leaders and coaches across the world. Today on the Demand Excellence Podcast, I have Coach Stan Luttrell, who is the head coach at Johnson High School in Gainesville, Georgia. It was such an encouraging interview for me because Coach Luttrell is such a strong Christian guy. He definitely coaches for the right reasons, and those reasons being to be a light and ambassador and an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And so we talk about his coaching path, and he he got to spend time with Jess Simpson as an assistant coach at Buford High School, and then now his second time being a head coach. He's now at Johnson High School trying to turn the program around. Uh, So a lot of great conversation I have with him. And like I said, great encouragement uh, from him. Hope you guys enjoy the podcast. And Coach Luttrell, I really appreciate you being on the podcast today. The the reason that I got into coaching um, is because I can't talk about me and coaching without talking about Carson in the college and how God saved me there. You know, coming out of high school, I was uh, I went to Western Kentucky University. I was there for three seasons. I tore my ACL for a second time. I tore it at my junior year of high school and then my second year at Western. And um, wasn't happy there. And I ended up, I decided that I was going to transfer to Carson Newman. And Carson Newman was a program at the time that had won five national championships at the NAIA level. And it was, since I grew up in Knoxville, it was about 20 minutes from my house. And uh, they always played great football. And, and when I came out of high school, it was really between Carson Newman and Western Kentucky. So I transferred in there in January. And the sole reason I went there was to be part of a great football program and to see what winning looks like and to see and to have an opportunity to play on a winning team and hopefully play for a national championship. I backed up an All-American, that inside linebacker, um, my first year there, and then what was supposed to be my last year in 1996, you know, we won the conference for like the 19th time in a row, and, and we ended up playing for the national championship in 1996 and lost to Northern Colorado. After, after that game, you know, I, I really was smacked in the face that everything that my whole life had been about, uh, which was football, was over. And I really didn't know who I was and what I was going to do next. And so so God used losing the national championship to show me that my identity was in football and I needed an identity that would last because football inevitably will always end. Um, so in the spring of 1997, I, I became a Christian. And, um, and in that time, during that time, um, also got a sixth year of eligibility because I ended up getting a medical red shirt. And so I, my last year that I played, I was uh, – uh, I was a, a Christian, and so I, I was uh, 23 years old, and I played football since I was seven. Never missed a year, and I, but I, God allowed me to play play one year as a believer. And it, man, what a difference! Um, but coming out of coming out of Coach Newman, I, I I always got I always tell people this, this that that at Coach Newman, three major things happened to me. One, one I met I, I met 
Jesus as my Lord and Savior. By losing the national championship, I, um, God showed me that my identity was in the wrong things. And he, he, he welcomed me into, into his family, and I became a Christian in the spring of 1997. Two, I met my wife who played soccer there. Three, I was able to observe a Christian program, a Christian program, a group of a group of coaches that and and lived out daily to me what what a Christian coach was supposed to look like. And you know, and from there, I became a um, became a high school coach. I was an assistant my first year at Science Hill High School. Um, after that, we went to the second round of playoffs. After that. I had an opportunity to become the youngest head coach in Tennessee at my alma mater at Knox Carter. I was there for three years. Uh, two of the three years we made the playoffs. The last year we didn't, and I had that conversation uh, where I was called to the front office and the program needs to go in a different direction. Um, at that point, God God brought me and my family to Georgia, and uh, that was 18 years ago. When I first came to, came to Georgia, I came with Blair Armstrong to right here at Johnson High School. Um, over the last over the last 20 years, Johnson High School has only has, has only had four winning seasons. Three of those were were Blair Armstrongs, and I was with Blair his first two years here, and then I became the head, the head coach at Union County. I was at Union County for two as the head coach, and then God opened the door at Chester T High School. At Chester T, we were there for eight years. From there, um, God did some amazing things at Chester T High School. From there. I uh, got a phone call at uh, 10 o'clock on a Monday morning from, from Coach Simpson, and I became the strength coach and assistant linebacker coach at Buford High School. Uh, after three years and 45 games and winning one state championship and losing two with Coach Simpson and his staff, I uh, went to Gainesville with Bruce Miller for a year, and then this past year uh, with Benji Harrison at, at Haversham Central. This past May, I had the opportunity to, to become the head coach at Johnson High School, and i um, Really looking forward to the challenges that that are here, but also just you know living out my faith for God's glory. I think the thing that intrigues me most is you getting to work with uh, Jess Simpson. You know, he's kind of like a Georgia high school football legend. Talk about some of the things that you learned working with Coach Simpson and some of your experiences there at Buford High School. Well, first of all, just. Just the, the fact that Coach Simpson had called me was very humbling, especially at, at that time. Uh, uh, just how, how God works in your life is, is amazing. You know, I always say you can look in your rearview mirror and see God's sovereignty and be amazed by it if you're looking. And I, I resigned from Chester T on Tuesday, and I never went back. The following Thursday, I went to the Ten- uh, University of Tennessee Clinic with Coach Simpson because he was speaking. And um, at that time, my dad was, was battling uh, lung cancer. And, um, and basically that Thursday night after coach spoke, I went, my dad got put in the hospital on the way up there. And, um, the way that, uh, the way it all worked out is I got to, I got to spend, I'm an only child. So I got to spend an hour with my dad, my mom, and I wouldn't have been there if it it wasn't for me taking the Buford job and being with coach Simpson and, um, went back to the hotel and later that night I got the call that my dad had died. And so just, you know, it was a really hard time in, in, in my life because of, of, of being the only child and dealing dealing with death. And, and um, but Coach Simpson and Coach Simpson and, and Dexter Wood and, and all of the assistants there were just amazing of welcoming me in and um, and giving me an opportunity to just jump right in. You know, several of those guys had been there for you know 10, 15, 20 years plus, and and it was it was just encouraging to me. Um, 
to have a group of men that were there that that believed in the mission, believed in the the purpose of football. And and you know, between Dexter and Coach Simpson, they've done it. They've done a great job of, of just establishing that culture. And then for me to be able to sit uh, within those rooms and hear them hear them lay that out was was just amazing to me. Um, and and it was true blessing because I got to see how it could how it could be done. You know, the first six weeks I was at Buford, uh, Dexter Wood led a, led a six-week study about biblical manhood. And so here I am coming out of this this time and, and going from being a head coach for for several, ten years in a row and, and, and just lost my dad. And I got to sit under that teaching and with that group of men who are so encouraging. Um, you know, people only see, like, you know, everybody has a perception of what they think different programs look like. But, but the Lord allowed me to have, have an inside perspective there. And, um, and I'll never be the same because of it. What are things that you learned there? Like it's like for me as a head coach, and I know you, for you as a head coach, just hearing about a coach sitting down with his coaching staff and doing a six-week biblical study on uh, biblical manhood, and I'm just sitting here like, well, I haven't done that. I mean, that's something I need to do. What are some other things, like what are some valuable lessons that you learned that you're implementing now that you can tell me to help make me a better leader for, for Christ or just a better leader period. Well, you know, coach Simpson and, and coach Wood uh, were very strong leaders. There was definitely one way to do it. And it was, and it was the Buford way. Um, I think their leadership uh, as well as a strong group of assistants who, who were willing to follow that lead and hold that standard was critical. So for me now, being in the head coaching seat is, is to is to try to try to be that strong leader, try to establish the standard, and try to hold everyone to it. You know, one of the things that um, that Coach Simpson used to always say is that you know First Corinthians nine twenty four run in such a way and 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 run to win, and and that's what our that's what the goal was there was was to run to win, to do things in a way that winners that winners do them. It's very obvious that winners do things a certain way and. And people who don't win do things a different way, and so I was just encouraged to of the the equipping that, that the athletic director, the head football coach, did to the to the staff and and the school system to the whole school in general. Um, but you know, just in general, just the ability to have a standard and and hold everyone to it. Let me ask you this question, then I'm going to get into uh, more of you personally, but this is a question for me because, you know, Buford just went on a run where they were just winning and winning and winning, and right now at the school that I'm at, we're, we're in that. But in that, I find the struggle, it's really, for me, there's a huge struggle for joy because it's like if we don't win and we don't win by a lot, it's not, and, and I, I don't feel this pressure from my administration, but it's almost like a house of cards, like you're going to let everybody down. And it's just this, this pressure to be perfect and not make a mistake. And I know that it probably was that way at Buford. And I think a little bit the house did crumble at Buford. I mean, Jeff Simpson left and there was a lot of uh, controversy and stuff like that. But how what was it like there in the midst of, of that pressure to win um at Buford? Well 
there was definitely pressure there. Nowhere near as much pressure on me as there, as there was on Coach Simpson and, and everyone else because of my role. But but I always saw just this um, this tight knit group of of men who were all pulling on the same end of the rope, who were all doing it for the for the for the right reasons. And and, and in the in the tough times, in the um, uh, in the struggles. We were, you know, were reminded same way at Carson Newman that you know when when things didn't go our way, we were reminded that you know to keep the main thing the main thing, you know to keep our priorities, you know, you know God, family, football, and, and what that really looks like, and um, and to depend on each other, and ultimately it's about people, it's not about scoreboards, and and it's about eternity. So, Coach, kind of remind me a little bit of uh, Coach Belichick. And my audio was messing up earlier as you were talking, taking me through your path. But, you know, Belichick coached for the Browns and then, you know, he went and became an assistant for a while. And then he and then he and then he went back to being a head coach. And um, also another guy like that was Pete Carroll. And I don't know if you've read Pete Carroll's book, but it's a really good book. But it was about his time at the Patriots. And um, and then he got fired at the Patriots, and then he spent the next few years trying to come up with his football philosophy, and that's what the book is about. Goes to USC, implements that philosophy. Obviously, um, took uh, took Southern Cal to to glory, back to their glory days, and then now goes to Seattle, wins a Super Bowl, um, and kind of you're like that a little bit. You know, you 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 had you were a head coach, and then you took some time off of being a head coach, and now you're back at it. What are some things that you're trying to do different from your first time around as you are in your uh, – I think it's your uh, first year there as the head coach. Yeah, this is my, this is my first year at Johnson. I came in in May. You know, Johnson, Johnson's had four winning seasons in the last 20 years. And so it's a little different. Uh, when I first came here 18 years ago, I was with Blair Armstrong, and Blair had three of those four winning seasons. And uh, the population has changed here. You know, uh, we are we are currently 80% Hispanic, and and to me that 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 does have some challenges, but it but it also can be just an excuse. And so, you know, I, I believe that coaching is a ministry, and I and my family is is bought into this ministry of coaching. And and when this job came open, I actually set my 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 whole family down in our living room with my wife and our five children. And we had a family meeting about about this job and about this opportunity. And our our family was all in on coming here and 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 trying because one of the things that I also want to do is I want to I want to live out my faith in every situation. I want to I want to be the guy that you know you know uh, James one twenty two says do not just be hearers of the word but be doers of the word. And I want to be a doer. And so I think this is an opportunity for me to to, to live out my faith. In, our, in my community, in a school where most people think it can't be done, and, and just work the process very similar to, uh, to what, I, what I had done before, but with some tweaks with, with what I learned at Buford and, um, and Gainesville and Habersham and my time off the last five years from being a head coach, and, um, and just really pour into this, this community and this, and, and this school and, and just say, God, here, here I am, use me, and, and leave the results up to him. Talk a little bit about, you know, for the listener out there, what what classification is Johnson Johnson, and what um, con, uh, region are you in? 
Okay, well, we're, we're in Region 8, 5A. We are in the same region as Buford. We play them in two weeks. But Buford, Clark Central, Cedar Shoals, Walnut Grove, Loganville is our region. Um, Johnson hasn't, hasn't uh, qualified for the playoffs in 15 years. Um, in fact, they've only won, prior to this year, they'd only won four games in the last three years. So there's a huge opportunity for improvement here. Um, we have a strong administrative staff. Um, here that that have all been coaches, which is which is one of the reasons why I was willing to take on this challenge, and um, and and they want they want to uh, to equip us and equip the football program as well as all the athletic programs to uh, to be successful. So there's been a, there's been a tremendous amount of support for that, and um, and I you know I just I think it's an opportunity. And besides Buford, I've never been anywhere that hasn't been the underdog. I've never been anywhere that. That wasn't a turnaround. That wasn't, you know, um, a place that hadn't been successful before I got there. And so I'm really looking forward to just equipping these young men and showing them that it can be done here if they do the work. So, coach, you play 5A football, and yeah, and of course, anybody hears the name Buford, you got you got to play those guys. Um, and then your school's 80% Hispanic, so you have 5A numbers, but you know. Um, that that's that's tough for a football coach. I think any football coach listening to this would understand that's tough to pull from that from your population of football playing students. You're probably more single A or double A uh, football playing students numbers. How many players have you gotten to come out for football, and are you getting a good buy-in from them? Sure. Well, those are those are very good questions. You know, we we have. Uh, now my last check, we had 54 guys on our roster, and that's up from, from what they've had in the past. We have several players, several new Hispanic players, as well as you know other culture players that have never played before. You know, one of the things one of the things that I did as quickly as I could here is I, I hired uh, three of my former players from Chester T, who are all Hispanic, and um, and they have been able to help with a culture gap. You know, for the first time in my career in spring practice, I had a D-line coach coaching, uh, coaching in Spanish because we had a, had a kid that I was trying to trying to communicate a, um, you know, correction correction to that he didn't understand me, but he understood when Coach Moreno spoke in Spanish. So things like that has been uh, um, has been able to, and those guys have been able to get more more uh, of the Hispanic players out. Um, I think just encouraging our, our team that, that we're not gonna we're not gonna make any excuses. It is what it is, and and we're gonna we're gonna focus on ourselves and focus on our process, and and um and ultimately, uh, I always have have told them that it's not a matter of if but when. I, how how long is it gonna take? We're committed to this process, and we can't wait to see what God does here. Yeah, that's awesome, Coach. Um, and I think more coaches out there are in your situation then you know we all like to read about Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban and we like to get what what's Nick Saban doing what's Dabo Sweeney doing and that's great it's just their reality is not our reality and um and certainly not your reality so that's kind of why I'm pulling these questions from you because I have so many people contact me like what would I do what would you do in this situation or what would you do in this situation I'm like I'm not in that situation. Like I don't, I don't know. I said I have to connect you with a coach that that knows your situation. And these questions, 
you know, there's a lot of schools that are going through what you're going through where they're play, they got 5A numbers or 6A numbers, but their population of their school isn't football playing students. And your job is tough because you're, you, I mean, you're teaching football, you're motivating kids to come out there and sweat and bleed and sacrifice and, and trying to get them to buy in all at the same time is, is not... I mean, your job is way harder than Nick Saban's in my book. That's why I'm asking. That's why I'm asking you these, these questions. Um, what creative things have you done to create that buy-in and really create that passion for football? Because most communities, the passion's already there. Yeah. Well, the, the number one thing that we that we do is we're a fundamental football program, you know, and and. and Within that fundamentals, we believe that football teams are built. And I'm selling this, selling this to this team as well as the school and this community. The football teams are built, and that, and that has to start in the weight room. And so, I have a strong background in in um, strength and conditioning, and um, and so we the very first thing we did was we we got the weight room weight room set up differently, and we we sell, sold our kids on on how important the weight room is. You know. Five days a week, year round, we're never not going to lift weights. We always say, "If the sun's up, we're lifting," and, and just selling them on on that because we have to build football players. The second thing is that we have to, you know, fundamentally, we have to teach fundamentals from the kid that's been playing football since he was in little league to the kid that this is his first ex- football experience. So we're a very much fundamental football team, and just basically just laying it out there. Within our schemes, we run option on offense and, and we're multiple on defense, but basically taking the game down to its blocking and tackling. But, you know, on top of all of that, I really feel like that, that football is a opportunity for us to build young men. Right? And when, when I can get them and I can get the, the players and the assistant coaches to believe that football is about building men, about literally taking – taking this boy and helping through the game of football, through the weight room, help him become a man, then, man, we can – it's not – it's about so much more than that scoreboard. It's about so much more than than, um, than playing football. It's about the next generation and the generations after that. And, and so when you, can, when you can do that, motivation's pretty easy. So talk about, um, Coach – are you? I think you're a defensive guy, right? Yes. I mean, that's your that's your background. Talk about the defense yeah. you like to run, and give me why you like to run that defense. Well, I'm. Um, you know, I have a three-five background. Um, here we're basing out of a three-four, but but depending on the formation, we can. Um, we can we end up in a three three stack, uh, basically, so we can be able to cover four verticals. Um, uh, even when we're in our three four, we have a boundary safety that's really like the boundary outside linebacker in three five. He's just come back. Um, I like a three down front because of the movement. I like a three down front because you can be aggressive. You know, um, I think you have to be able to be multiple. I think you know we can go back to you know. Growing up in East Tennessee, shoot, shooting a gun, is it easier to do target shooting or skeet shooting? Well, target, target shooting is much easier. So we want to be a moving target because it's much harder for a high school offensive line to hit a moving target. We want to be able to bring pressure from different points in every gap, multiple, you know, four and five-man pressures primarily. 
And so, you know, but the, the longer that I do this, the, the more I realize that we've got to be able to line up formations and we've got to be able to run and tackle. You know, one of the issues we're having here is tackling, and, and I believe that it, if you're not strong, it's hard to tackle. Right. So I believe that, that as we get stronger, that we'll become a better tackling team. So, you know, so I, I like to be aggressive. I like to be able to, to, to stress the offense and, um, and make them have to make decisions fast, and I like to have moving targets. What do you prefer? I always ask my defensive coordinator this. What uh, so? And I, I don't know. I mean, I wonder if you're running this offensively. But what offense do you hate to defend the most, and what offense do you run? Okay, so I'm we're a split back beer team, similar to Carson Newman and Thomas County Central, JT Curtis, De La Salle. Um, nobody else runs that. But what I hate to defend is the flex zone. I, I really hate that. Uh, to, to have to, because, you know, the ability to gain numbers at the point of attack for, and being able to be plus one on defense is the hardest thing and still be able to play play action. So uh, that's why I'm an option guy. I'm an op- I've always been an option guy. I come from the, you know, Tom Osborne, Fisher DeBerry uh, tree as far as just always looking to, you know, Nebraska football and Air Force back in the day. That, that's who, who, uh, who I really looked up to because they seem to get the most out of the least, especially the academies. And so, of course, my experience at Carson Newman, even though I played linebacker at Carson Newman, just every day having to go against that split back beer was, was tough. So, um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna find this. I'm looking up a, a, a tweet or a text my defensive coordinator sent me on Sunday, Saturday or Sunday. Um, but it basically was they had asked college coaches, what offense you hate to defend the most and like every single one of them number one is the triple option and so my question is coach to coach why in the world if every coach hates to defend the triple option so much then why doesn't every coach run the triple option well, that's a great question. Um, you know, my first year in 2014 at Buford, we saw we saw Marist in the in the um, semifinals and St. Pius in the in the state championship game, and so that was really cool to me to be able to to sit with Coach Simpson and the defensive staff and hear how they you know game plan to stop both of those offenses because you know, obviously. Maris runs runs the, the wishbone better than anyone that I've seen, and then then St. Pius, you add the wing T flare to that, and it makes it very difficult. I think that I think more people are concerned about being popular and and, and relevant, and the game you know that uh, is spreading out more, and that to get more kids out, kids don't like the physical brand of football anymore. Although I would argue that you know if you're in spread and you're running a lot of power that you're still playing a physical brand of football. But um, I think it's more I think it's more of a, a culture thing than it is a football thing. And then everybody's always worried about turnovers because, you know, I never lost a game at Carson Newman that we didn't have six-plus turnovers. Right. Yeah. So, and here I found it. Like, this guy, they took a coach's poll, and the most difficult coach to prepare for – That it wasn't offense. The most difficult coach to prepare for, number one – Jeff Monken, that's Army, triple option. Number two, Navy, that's triple option. Number three, Clemson, and obviously great coaches, but, you know, really it's the players. And, and number four, uh, Coach Leach, which is, you know, air raid, spread the ball, throw it all the time. I think one thing too, Coach, is 
Um, and I was talking to my defense coordinator about this yesterday. But I think one thing, too, is trying to get players out, you know, trying to like for my t- I think about my tailback, Keaton Mitchell, and I'm a spread run guy. I mean, we're going to run power and I'll do different things to get Keaton the ball. But um, I think if I ran the triple option, a kid like Keaton would not play for my school, you know, just because he's not featured. And um, and we could say that's selfish or this or that and all that kind of stuff. And and obviously that can be not true. I know the Bowles high school coach ran the wing tee and um, had many Division One running backs when while he was a coach. But um, I just and you know you think about Buford, they always had great offensive linemen and great running backs that kind of fit who they were and it was still physical but it was able to feature a running back so those division one running backs would want to come play at your school so i think there is a little psychology like if you think about georgia tech they they couldn't recruit not because the offense wasn't good and not because paul johnson wasn't a great coach kids don't want to play in that offense um what do you think about that I think you're dead on. I think that's exactly what it is, you know. Um, and and obviously Buford does a great job, and that's what they were known for is being multiple on, multiple formations on offense, multiple personnel packages, and they always did a great job of that. But also being great on the, at the line of scrimmage and being able to hand it to someone who could take it or else every time he touched the ball. And so I think that is that is part of it. But that's part of that's part of you know who. You know, Coach Wood and Coach Simpson. That that was part of their mentality: is we're going to run the football, and um, and I think that they embraced that and obviously had a ton of success. You know, when you look at a team, the academies, when you look at a Georgia Tech, you know, when you look at a place like Johnson High School, I think I think the option offense gives gives a less talented group of players an opportunity to be successful. Absolutely, and you can say it's very it's a very team oriented mindset, and and it's very unselfish mindset. And, you know, one of the things that I've sold, sell, sell here, continue to sell here is that, that if we're going to, we can't be like everyone else and beat them and have a chance to beat them. We have to be different. We have to do things differently to have a chance to be successful. And for us, that's option football. No, I love that. I'm a big De La Salle fan. Uh, you know, I read that book, watched the documentary, and that's how I love that split back veer, man. I think John, uh, John Curtis in uh, Louisiana, um, he, he that guy's won like 600 games or something like that and um he runs a split back veer as well and uh it's good stuff so coach last question for you um talk about how you blend your faith you talk about it being ministry but how do you blend your faith in jesus christ and presenting the gospel but it's but you have to be very careful in public school. You can't overstep your bounds. How do you do that? Um, and how can you encourage um, other coaches out there in public schools who are Christians and want to be a light and ambassador for Christ? But also, they got to be careful they don't overstep their bounds. Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, the first thing the first thing that I would say is that that you have, you have to be who you say you are. You know, you, you have to be living out your faith on campus. You have to be living out your faith with your coaches in front of your team. And that, and that's a very important thing. And I, you know, my father-in-law was a green beret in Vietnam, part of the 173rd. And, and he also, God used him as I was dating his, uh, 
his daughter to to really show me that you can be you can be a man's man and still be a believer. And one of the things that he said that I'll never forget, and I quote it almost daily, is that if you're not in if you're not in the word, you're in the world. And so I think personally, as a coach, I, w- I would challenge every Christian to make sure that you don't forsake your own faith, that you don't that you're not daily. You need to be daily in the Word. You have to be studying your Bible. You have to be reading your, reading God's Word to be able to, to live out your faith, and not, as well as to be able to carry out all the responsibilities that God's given you at home as well as school. And so that that's the first thing. Then I think, you know, we've been able to do something. We started at Chester T with a group out of Texas called Coaches Outreach. And we started here. We're on week five this, this semester. The, the study is on in the first six chapters of Daniel. I think you've got to, open up to the rest of the uh, rest of the school the, the teachers specifically men in our case that uh, to, to do Bible study and have an opportunity to lead that way you know currently we have we have 12 guys representing nine sports that are that are in our coaches Bible study that meets before school ever starts then I think you have to have a strong relationship with the FCA in your area and and the and you know we have we have a great area for FCA. FCA has a strong presence in Hall County, and I think you have to use FCA um, to give your get and promote it within your program to to kind of let um, the gospel be presented through FCA. You also have to be uh, aggressively looking for opportunities when when a when a player asks a question. When a if it, if it's student led, then you then you can. Uh, talk about Jesus and, and so you're aggressively looking for opportunities for a kid to say hey coach uh, why don't why don't you there's a beautiful girl walk by why didn't you look at her? and just take that conversation because the student just asked about about why you why you choose to, to to not do something and and the reasoning behind why you why you don't uh, look at you know have eyes adulterous eyes so um, I think you have to give them opportunity um, outside of school for them to choose to choose to come be a part of an FCA Bible study. I think you or, or whatever in your area. In our area, we have several local churches who really want to to um, to provide meals and to to, to uh, talk to our kids outside of the school day. And so I think you've got to be actively involved in your community. And um, I think that's a, all of that's a great place to start. Coach, man, it's awesome. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Uh, just, man, it's encouraging talking to other believers who are head coaches and um, fighting the good fight each and every day. And, uh, man, so very thankful for you. Um, always in the show on a, a prayer, if you don't mind. Please. Lord, coming for your days, want to praise and thank you for loving us, Lord. First and foremost, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. Lord, I just praise and thank you for Coach and all that he is doing. And Lord, just the testimony, the walking testimony, the living testimony that he is for Jesus Christ. And Lord, just how encouraging it is to hear his story and how his desire is to glorify you. Lord, it's not to win championships. It's not to do those things. It's to glorify you. And Lord, invest in young men and help them become uh, men who will be successful in life and introduce them to Jesus Christ, Lord. And I just pray that you would be with him and his family, uh, Lord, and that um, I pray that you would continue to bless him and his efforts there, uh, ministering to not just the players, Lord, but the the school, the administrators, the parents, uh, and the entire community. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
pure.